see the first comment. Yeah. Keziak, the Gumtree scam. I was hoping that made in this week. Epic. Oh, yeah. It's going to be in this week. It's going to be in this week. <laughs> There's lots of stuff in this week. Um, what I normally do is I, I create like a, a list of things, which is what I put in the tweet and I put in the video description. And then I've got another list of all the other random stuff that uh, <laughs> I just think about along the way, which I'd like to discuss. So we'll see how that goes. Let's do the formal bits. Do the formal bits. And then we'll jump into a, uh, a week of, of much randomness and some very interesting things. So. One more bit, there's the sponsor, <laughs> Clyde again. No surprises there. Clyde has been a massive sponsor this year and in previous years as well. Clyde can get you cross-platform. <coughs> Excuse me, let's try all that again. We don't edit here. <laughs> Clyde can get your cross-platform fleet to 100% compliance. Zero Trust for Okta. Want to see for yourself? Book a demo. Uh, something I've always encouraged sponsors to do. Go and go and give a demo. Give some stuff away. Give a give an experience. For devices and secure, can't access your apps. They're doing the, the whole zero trust thing. It's very important. Uh, comes up a lot in the IoT discussion lately as well. How do I protect my IoT network? Well, you just have to assume everything is bad. Zero trust, designed for Okta, works on Mac, Windows, Linux, iOS, and Android, which is basically everything, I think, these days. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to Collide for their ongoing support in the past and in the future for many, many weeks to come. Okay. Josh is here. G'day, Josh. Thank you for joining. So to start with random stuff, I just tweeted. This is absolutely doing my head in. But um, <clears throat> we got a we got a we're going to call it a new display for the moment. I'll share some photos later on. Got a new display in place of the old TV, and uh, it's the same amplifier, the same Xbox, the same Apple TV, and they're really. It's Apple TV and Xbox. <laughs> we really only have two inputs, both going into the same Anthem amplifier. Uh, amplifier goes out to all the same speakers, no change there, but it goes out to a different display. It's no longer the old TV. It's a new display. Details will share later. They come around. They set everything up. This is the AV guys. Um, we're watching a bit of Apple TV as they're, yeah, for the tests and everything, as we're flicking between... Apple TV programs, like movies, you know, obviously all the 4K stuff with the big sound and everything. Every now and then it's like you pause or you go back and it's like, why did the screen go blank? Ah, oh, it's, it's back now and it doesn't do it whilst you're watching a movie. It's just when you're going in and out of me. Ah, oh, no, it doesn't matter. And then I go to make the Xbox play, which is very important. <laughs> go to make the Xbox play and the, the amplifier is like, no signal. It's like, well, the Xbox is definitely on. I take the cable from the display out of the output of the amplifier, plug it in the Xbox, picture, fine. So Xbox is working, it's got picture. No sound, obviously, because it's not going into the amplifier anymore. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what's going on. And I'm speaking to the AV guys, and they're like, well, this is this is weird. Um, and they're explaining something around, in my naive mind, I thought that like the out from the amplifier basically just sends a picture out and you know you can interchange displays and I assume so long as resolution refresh rate and everything work you're fine but apparently there's some sort of mutual handshake which I suspect is related to trying to stop people from pirate stuff or something like that which just seems like a ridiculous thing in this day and age remember when you couldn't what was it it was like you couldn't take the output signal of a DVD player and run it through your video player and record because copyright and Everyone can just torrent in 4K now anyway, so why that matters, I don't know. But there's something weird like that. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's a bit of an odd one. I just posted a video showing what the Apple TV is doing. There's a little bit of Top Gun in there. And you go like from the menu to the movie and, and the screen goes out again. And then the movie starts playing and it comes in it's all right. And I cannot figure it out. I don't know if it was the firmware update. Someone came and tuned all the speakers and everything. I really don't want to have to replace things. So if anyone can actually give me a, a sensible <laughs> response to what's happening, I'd really, really like to know. Uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drag one of them back here today because uh, a little bit of a lesson for all of us. You know, like when you push something to production, do test everything. Test everything. <laughs> so we did not test the Xbox because we're too enraptured by the display. Speaking of not testing things, I had a problem. I had a problem that blew... Almost my entire Wednesday, two days ago, 
with Azure. Uh, and I, I did put this in a tweet thread because I was like just live tweeting my troubleshooting process as I went. Explaining a problem to other people is an enormously good way of solving the problem, even if you hear nothing back. And I could see some tweets and things were coming back, but I was like, no, 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 I'll just keep explaining it. And eventually I realized what it was. There's a, a part I have been pwned where uh, there's, there's a function that picks up a message in a queue. And there is a different function that drops the message in the queue, completely different function apps. So queue storage in Azure, something's dropping something in there, something else is picking it up. Now, the one that then picks it up makes an outbound request with some data in the in the queue message. This app has not changed for months. Uh, works fine, beautiful, no problems. No issues there. But suddenly something wasn't working, uh, and it was fortunately it was just something in a, in a in a staging environment as well. But some reported, I mean, that's just not working. And I was like, yeah, it is. Like every time I I manually drop a message in this queue, this app picks it up and it sends it, and everything works perfectly. And I started going back up the stack and. And we'd released a, a major update to the Azure Functions framework. So Azure Functions, I was, this was something I've released many, many years ago, sitting on version one. There's now version four. So we jumped like three versions in one go, new Azure storage libraries. Uh, so the, the app, which was dropping messages in the queue, had had a major update. And <laughs> over the course of many hours of swearing, what I discovered is when the other app, which was picking the message up from the queue, when it deserialized the JSON into the POCO, which was then dealt with throughout the rest of the code, that's what was failing. It was the deserialization that was failing. And that's very implicit because your function just, just has a method call that passes uh, a, a type and then your JSON is deserialized into that type. So it's not you writing code and you can see like line whatever failed. Eventually discovered that the problem was in that bump of Azure Functions versions, they started defaulting to messages in storage queues being stored in plain text instead of being base64 encoded. So I was expecting to read something base64 encoded and decode it, then deserialize, again, all implicitly. And over here, it was no longer base64 encoded, it was plain text. So it was trying to base64 decode plain text, which of course doesn't work. And that was hours and hours and hours. And I had not tested that part of the process when I released. I retested everything else very, very carefully because <laughs> I've had no other complaints about anything else. <clears throat> and that code's been out there for weeks now. But just like setting up this new display, <laughs> someone did not test that in production. Mm. <clears throat> Look at the comments here. <clears throat> uh, Samir, what's the latest on CoinHive? Actually, let me let me read the, the next two comments. Both Daniel and Brendan are like firmware, firmware. I, I feel like that could be the easy answer. And I feel like I want to make that the responsibility of the people that were paid to come here and set things up. <laughs> so that might be the answer. Uh, could you please roll back the firmware to the previous version that was on there and, and see if that fixes it? It, it does sound so, and I don't know what the new firmware even had in it. I honestly don't know. And I'm the first guy just to update everything that says it needs an update because why not? It's newer. It's got to be better. But yeah, that feels like an easy one. Roll back the firmware. And then the only issue I have is that if they roll back the firmware and whether it works or doesn't work, I suspect they've then got to retune the whole thing as well. I'm not sure if those tuning settings, and when I say tuning settings, there's everything from the level of each one of the speakers out there to um, to the stuff. <laughs> you know, I don't know, like the guy had a microphone sat there in the middle of the room for ages setting everything up, and it sounded really good afterwards. Uh, what's the latest on CoinHive, says Samir. <clears throat> Good question. Let's check. <laughs> Let's check how many requests am I getting through this CoinHive domain? It, I tell you, it is nuts. A huge volume of traffic still goes through CoinHive.com. For those of you who have uh, have not been paying attention or have missed the backstory with CoinHive, it was a JavaScript-based crypto miner. Uh, ran for some period of time auspiciously as a legitimate way of monetizing your traffic. In reality, it was very often used by anyone who could get script to run on a target site, hackers. <laughs> and then they would monetize the mined Monero coin from other people's clients and, and take the money. And then CoinHive shut down at some point. I still don't exactly know why, but someone gave me the domain. 
And I took it, and now any time CoinHive gets embedded on any website, there's this big alert, which is like, hey, this website is probably compromised. Incidentally, compromised MicroTig routers as well were embedding CoinHive. But of course, they can only do that on non-HTTPS connections, of which there are still many. So I was seeing all of this traffic come through. Now, let me have a look. Do I have, I do have um, a CoinHive domain in Cloudflare here. Uh, great news, Cloudflare is now protecting your site. Yeah, but I feel like that's just redirecting. Uh, I don't know, past 24 hours, 17,850 requests. Uh, but I'm on one of those like, Freebie Cloudflare plans. Now that's coin-hive.com, 17,850 requests. Coinhive.com, which I think was the primary one from memory, uh, in the last 24 hours, 54,940 uh, well, 54, requests. So where's that take us to? That's, that's like 70,000 something requests in the last 24 hours. That's nuts. That's really nuts. Uh, does this free Cloudflare plan, I don't think that gives us referrers. Does it give us referrers? No. Damn. I, I've, I've been meaning to write a blog post for some time just delving into what we can discern now from the ongoing CoinHive traffic because I suspect there's some interesting things in there. Like I'm fascinated that there's still so much traffic here because the vast majority of it seems to come from compromised websites. And... I had a period there, I'd, I'd pop a model and it would be like, hey, this website has probably been compromised, you know, go here, read my blog post about CoinHive. And then you could dismiss it and just go back to the site, which I'm sure many people did. <laughs> so I took away that ability. Now, of course, you could always edit the DOM and everything else, but I took away the close button. So for your normal everyday person out there browsing to a website with CoinHive on it, you were seeing an undismissible prompt from me, followed by an automatic redirect to my blog post, which is why I get a lot of traffic there. In fact, what, what I think I can see is if I go to troyhunt.com in Cloudflare <coughs> and I go to my analytics here, uh, traffic, I think I can see, can I see the top pages? So Cloudflare has different levels of uh, analytics based on how much money you pay. It is fair, they're a business, that's what they do. So because they support Have I Been Pwned, I get really good granular uh, metrics there. Because I'm using the freebie one for everything else, I get very little. I could go to Google Analytics and have a look, but that's a bit of a, I'm very tempted to get rid of that. It's a bit, become a cesspool. Uh, anyway, what else do I have on there? Last week, I talked to, this is a funny one, and then I'll get into the, the actual serious stuff. Um, last week, I talked about Luxottica, the Luxottica data breach, the Italian brand that uh, owns Ray-Ban and Oakley and a whole bunch of sunglass stuff. And yeah, 77 million people in there. There are a couple of interesting things that have come out of it since I spoke about it. Saturday morning, we're doing six days ago. Now, one of the interesting things is it has become very, very evident that they didn't notify anyone uh, about the breach. Let, let me actually rephrase that. It's very clear they didn't notify people in the breach about the breach. I believe that they notified their local regulator in Italy. I'm not sure who's who that is or what they're called. I'm sure they have one. <laughs> well and truly under the under the data privacy banner of GDPR there. They, they did that notification, but they didn't let individual people know. Now, I think that's interesting for a couple of reasons. So one is that I firmly believe that everyone should be notified if they're in a data breach, no matter where they are in the world or how big the company are. And I don't care. You know, if, if my data's in there and you have a breach, I think you owe me an email. And I would like an apology too. You know, something like, hey, we're really sorry. Don't blame the Russians or your dog or anything like that. Like you screwed something up, it happened, just give it to me straight. And now clearly that, that didn't go out. But the other thing I think is very interesting about this is to, to the point about GDPR, they are very well smack in the European Union. And I constantly see people pop up uh, and say, I'm a European. Uh, these guys have to do this and they have to let me know and they have to do all sorts of other things uh, in the interest of their, their own privacy. And I, I, first of all, I agree with this. I think you should do that regardless of where you are in the world. But I also lament that they should get protections that I don't <laughs> because I'm an Australian and they're a European. Like There's something just extraordinarily uncomfortable about that. But 
I spoke about this, I think, last week. And someone emailed me afterwards and they said, you know how you're talking about people jumping up and down about being in Europe and you know demanding the notification of the GDPR. You know that a company doesn't have to notify people if they're in a data breach. Now, I do know this. <laughs> I do know this. And just like we have here in Australia with our somewhat weaker data privacy laws, the provisions within GDPR do not demand that an organisation notify individuals every time that they're in a data breach. There are a whole bunch of carve-outs around things like the likely impact to the individual. Uh, and this is what, what I think is grossly, grossly misunderstood by the pitchfork-wielding, <laughs> torch-carrying mob where every time there's a data breach, there's like, this organisation has, has got to legally do these things. Now, again, I think morally they should do them. I think absolutely you have a data breach, you let everyone know. But there is not the legal requirement that many people think there is on a blanket level across every data breach for notification. Having said that, it seems to be arguable that Luxottica and the other big one that comes to mind before that is Deezer, based in France, obviously also EU. Both of those organisations elected not to notify individuals. Now, Deezer did well and truly after they knew about it and then well and truly after it went into Have I Been Pwned and then I emailed a million people. I, th I think it was about a million Have I Been Pwned subscribers in Deezer. Very hard to sweep it under the rug when a million people have just been told about your data breach. And Have I Been Pwned is, is leverage, right? Like it, it does put leverage or does put pressure on those organisations to do their disclosure properly. So it'll be interesting to see if Luxottica and I sent, uh, I think, how many... I can't remember how many messages I said I sent. Was it tens of thousands? No, there's seventy-seven million. Uh, I think it was. I think it was over three hundred thousand emails I sent. Yeah, that number rings a bell. So it's very hard to ignore it. Three hundred thousand people suddenly know that you're in a data breach. Many of them would have sent notifications to Luxottica. Anyway, so that was the first thing. The, the sort of the the observations about GDPR and rights to notification. The other thing was Sunday morning. I'm sitting down here outside having a coffee with Charlotte and we're, we're chatting about all the cyber things <laughs> and we're talking about Luxottica and she's like, I wonder if I was in Luxottica which with my old email address. And so she goes into her online outlook and she's like, yep, pwned. <laughs> so it's, I never even looked for my wife in this data. I actually looked for me in this data breach when I was processing it because I've, um, I buy Ray-Bans all the time uh, and... I wasn't in there, but she was. I haven't gone back and pulled out her record yet, but it might be curious. A lot of people are saying Sunglass Hut. They were saying they were using unique email addresses only used at a Sunglass Hut. It wasn't exclusive. There are other people who said they used them in other places, but Sunglass Hut featured over and over and over again, which also makes an interesting discussion around is it Luxottica's responsibility? Is it Sunglasses Hut's responsibility? Who's the data processor? Where does the obligation lie? It's curious. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if anyone actually lets them know. Brendan says, Recoin Hive numbers, that's a lot better than how it originally was. Yeah, I wonder if I can go back and actually have a look at that. Um, this is the problem with, with trying not to keep too much data. It's often hard to answer these questions. <laughs> so, Ben's here. G'day, Ben. Thank you for joining. Uh, what else to do this week? Spoke at GoTo, GoTo conference in Copenhagen. No, not Copenhagen. Uhaus, our house, further north <laughs> in Denmark. Spoke there uh, a couple of nights ago. That was that was fun. Um, I had actually really wanted to be in Europe this week because NDC is on in Oslo. And it was nine years ago I went to my first NDC Oslo, and and, and life did spiral a bit <laughs> between then and now. Whereas, like, I went there from my corporate misery life and all sorts of other things brewing in life that, that probably weren't the, the happiest times. And now nine years later, uh, this life and this independence and marrying the person who ran the conference. Uh, I could not have seen that coming nine years ago. That was really interesting. So anyway, NDC definitely holds a, a very, very special place in both our hearts because we've done so many NDC events, Charlotte organizing them and then me speaking at them. And at the moment, people like Scott and Stefan, who'd normally be here on my video, are partying at, uh, at NDC. And it is a bit, bit jealous seeing all the photos. So we had been tempted to go there, do NDC, do the go-to stuff as well. 
um, because it's only a short hop apart. But it's just, it's so far to go. It's a very, very long way to go for uh, a very short time because we just didn't have the time to be away long. Next week, I'm at the AIS NSW conference on the Gold Coast, <laughs> which is great. Now, I'm going to get our acronyms right here. I've, this, this is the last in... And in fact, you can see this from my from my upcoming events, but it, it is the last in a very long stream of multiple back-to-back events every week, either in person over in, in Perth and then here on the Gold Coast with Oz certainly in this one next week, uh, or back at uh, back at the desk here in different parts of the world. So AIS NSW is uh, empowering independent education. It is, uh, as is my understanding, an edutech style event which would be fun. It's nice that the other state down... Oh, look, big picture of me there. Keynote speaker, try hard. It's nice that the other state down there in New South Wales, we're only about 30 kilometres south, and then it has Sydney 900 kilometres away or something. It's nice they want to come here to the Gold Coast to run their event. Uh, a bunch of companies in Australia do like doing conferences on the Gold Coast because it's such a holiday destination. I like it because I can sleep in my own bed and <laughs> it's not too far away. So that's going to be the last one in a big line of events. We've got a we've got a dinner there next week, some night, and then we've got a we've got the obviously the the conference itself. The next thing that I have on my list, at least that is public, is not until uh, Prague in September, which I'm very very much looking forward to. They're doing a lot of a lot of press on this already. Experts Live Europe. 18 to 20 September in Prague in the Czech Republic. I've never been to the Czech Republic before. I've been turned away at the border at the Czech Republic before. Long story, long time ago. Uh, I've never been actually into the country, so I'm very much looking forward to that in September. We're going to have a massive, massive uh, European thing <laughs> in September. I'll share more on that later. Oh, Scott is here. I was just saying, like, Scott and Stefan are here because they're out partying at NDC. Uh, but obviously this is more interesting than than doing that, so... Thank you, mate. Thank you for joining. I appreciate that. Now, where do we get to? So that's the event stuff. All right. One more thing, and then we talk about scammers. Five billion pwned password requests. Now, this has been somewhat of a sport, particularly with Stefan and I, who are Stefan as chief password wrangler. <laughs> Have I been pwned? coordinating the open source bits of, uh, of Pwn passwords. It has been a bit of a sport to see just how big the thing can get. And I really wanted to see, like, how, how, many, how many requests can we start making out of this thing? Now, it, it just feels like every round billion is a milestone. And we've been measuring it by 30 days because Cloudflare has a 30-day report there. Uh, obviously, a month might be a little bit longer than that, so we've probably passed five billion in a month, well and truly already. But we have just this week ticked over five billion in thirty days, which is just nuts to to think about the volume of traffic that five billion API requests are. Now, that five billion is a combination of people running the the download tool, which goes through and does make a million requests. A little bit more, sixteen to the power of five uh, requests to pull down each of the hash ranges. We've also got all the folks integrating it into their services as well and querying the data, which is just super, super wonderful. So I'm looking at these traffic stats here. We've got, uh, what was our biggest day? We did well over 220 million requests, I think, on one day. Uh, previous 30 days, 5 billion, um, five, I assume it's 5.00 billion as well. It's right on the nose of 5 billion. Biggest day we had, we actually had 100... A bit over 220 million requests. 220.21 million requests on May 17. And in fact, the uh, the day before that, we did 205 million requests. So we've had uh, two days of over 200 million requests, which is just, just nuts. How did we get there? The, uh, the referrers. So I mentioned before that we get... Um, we get... Uh, and I'm just going to be, I'm just reading some of these and thinking, no, I probably shouldn't say who they are, just simply because there are probably a bunch of organizations that don't necessarily want people to know that they're using Pwn passwords to block passwords. So I won't say who they are, but I can see in the Pwn passwords analytics, unlike in the CoinHive analytics, which I use the freebie one on, but Pwn passwords, Cloudflare sponsoring with, with some of the good bits, I can see 
a whole bunch of referrers here. Now, it's interesting too, because that referrer is only going to come if it's passed in the request. Now, people consuming the API are normally not going to add a referrer header to the request. It's going to be times where there is a client-side request directly to Pwn passwords. And I'm seeing tech companies, AV companies, let's just say operating system companies, telcos. This is just in the top 15. Um, and that's really cool. That's really, really cool. Now, having said that, of the 5 billion requests, 4.9 billion have no referrer. So it gives you a good idea of, of where the consumption is, that there's not many cases in the broad scheme of things of integration directly into the um, into other software. In fact, the top referrer is api.bonepasswords.com. So if we skip past that, the next ones are all in, the next three are like low single digit millions. Uh, and that's over 30 days. But that's, look, it's, it's just fulfilling. It's very, very fulfilling because it's such a cool thing. It's free, it's open source. Everyone can get all of the code, they can get all the data. The FBI puts stuff in there. I mean, that's that's awesome. I'm very, very happy about that. Oh, let's hear in the comments. Scott's looking after Stefan. <laughs> he might be late for work tomorrow. I've been to NDC. We know how it gets. Hmm. Oh, there you go. Stefan is there. Brendan, if I call, recall correctly, Bitwarden, as well as self-hosted server package called Vault Warden, has a, an HLBP integration, but it doesn't look like it does too much with the API. I'm not even sure. And I mean, this is the thing, because I there's no registration. There's, there's nothing that I need to track Uh or nothing I have to track to see who actually integrates it. So short of someone actually telling me that they integrated, I usually don't know. Now, actually, speaking of password managers, there was something else here. And this is this is bugging me. So let's talk about this. It's great to talk about stuff that bugs me. Oh, Scott, I've got to tell you about one this week. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it publicly, but holy shit. Uh, i got some feedback. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. Now... The one I'm thinking about here, and I have been tweeting this, and I want to give some more context to it because it is actually quite frustrating. Um, a couple of days ago, I had – let me see how I can phrase this. Okay. I had a company called Sinduit reach out. So I'm from a company called Sinduit. Now, never heard of Sinduit before. What do they do? 394 followers on Twitter. Obviously not particularly large. Merging powerful, straightforward software with complete marketing campaigns to help people find more freedom in their workday. From Inglewood in uh, in New Jersey, NJ, New Jersey? I don't know. You've got too many states. I can't keep track. Thumber in America, I think. What if I tap on the thing? Why doesn't that work? Maybe you never could. Maybe Elon broke it. Who knows? Sinduit. <laughs> someone from Sinduit's reached out and said, look, someone has contacted them and said McAfee has advised them that they have email addresses on their domain in the Sinduit data breach. And Sinduit's reached out and they're like, what, what the hell's going on? Like I went to have a been pwned, I couldn't see this, which is which would be true because I don't have a data breach called Sinduit, never even heard of him before. But inevitably, whoever put it into McAfee, probably someone at McAfee, and it could be a, a provider. So it could be someone else using a have a been pwned like service that gets this data, aggregates breaches, feeds it through into other entities, uh, notifies the, their customers. I mean, I do the same thing with have a been pwned into Firefox Monitor, into 1Password. So that's fine. That That's a service that exists. But whoever was doing this looks like they haven't actually got in touch with Sinduit. So there has not been disclosure, which feels really, really awkward. And then someone else popped up today in my DMs and they said, hey, Dashlane has alerted us to the same thing. Uh, and I've gone, well, okay, so let's imagine Fragment say it is a provider of data breach services. Uh fed data to McAfee, fed data to Dashlane, it's about Sinduit. The way it looks at the moment is that they have not actually reached out to Sinduit and said this is what's what's happened. Now, I'm super, super sympathetic in this case to Sinduit, as I have been to many organisations that I've reached out to and done disclosure for, particularly smaller companies. If it was, oh, I don't know, Equifax, <laughs> and Equifax felt hard done by you, you'd sort of have less sympathy. <clears throat> you still got to do disclosure, don't get me wrong. But... When you see little businesses like this one, and I don't know if the breach is legitimate or not, that's kind of beside the point, uh, but little businesses like this one who are implicated as having had a breach and they don't have any any say in the matter, they don't have any, you know, I mean, what if this was a, let's say it, it is a legitimate breach 
and it was someone exploiting a vulnerability that still exists. And now there's just this broadcast of Sindrit data reach, Sindrit data reach. And what, like the more people start looking at Sindrit and going, well, maybe I will probe around a little bit and see if there's a, you know, exposed database backup or SQL injection floor or something. So they don't get to proactively protect their services and, of course, further protect their customers. And they also don't get to be on the front foot in terms of knowing that this is something that's going to be communicated to people. I mean, I definitely always say to an organization who's had a breach, it's like, look, I'm going to notify my subscribers tomorrow, this week, soon. You know, you might want to proactively do whatever it is you need to do. And usually when I have this conversation with smaller organizations, they're they're frankly scared shitless a lot of the time because they're seeing their business like crumble before their eyes. And many of them have poured their life and, and soul into it. I mean, imagine if it was me with Have I Been Pwned having a vulnerability like this and data being leaked. It's like I've invested nearly 10 years of my life building this thing and then this happens. I have contacted Dashlane uh, and said, look, I'd, I'd really like to understand this a bit more because I'm very sympathetic to the Syndrome folks. Uh, and of course... and, and to be clear, this has nothing to do with have I been pwned not having the data. I couldn't care less about that. I imagine it is extraordinarily small anyway. But there's just something that feels very, very wrong about the way this has been handled. That's that's uh, that's my feelings on it. So, all right. I'll let Scott and Stefan talk amongst themselves. I'll get to the, the good bit that I think people really wanted to hear about, which is the Gumtree scammer. Now, there is a very long Twitter thread on this, and I'm not even going to bother trying to read it to it. Well, actually, some of it I need to read because some of it's just funny. Backstory is we are selling a fridge, and Charlotte put the fridge on Facebook Marketplace, which can be a bit hit and miss. You know, people want to negotiate, unreliable. I don't have a problem with people negotiating, but very often use appliances, you, you do take a massive hit on. And then she also puts it on Gumtree. Now, just after she puts it on Gumtree, she gets a message from someone saying something to the effect of, you know, hi, what's what's your email address? Let's continue the discussion there. And I was like, look, this is not legit. Uh, just tell them that they're, they're welcome to continue the discussion here with, on the Gumtree chat. And, of course, the person completely disappeared. And then very, very soon after that, the same thing happened with someone else. And this time I'm like, well, this could be interesting. (laughs) There might be something in this. Let's see how weird shit gets. So I said, all right, do do, do this. I have, as I'm sure many of you have, a burner account that I use specifically for circumstances like this. Now, when I say a burner account, it it could be traced back to me by authorities with the correct power. So (laughs) I I don't mean I'm out there doing like nasty stuff with it. But if I want to give it to a third party for which I'm going to do nothing illegal, but I just don't want to give up my own personal information, this is the one I use. So I get Charlotte to send them the address and they send me an email. Now, this person says their name is Lena, Lena Meyer. Hi, Charlotte. This is Lena from Gumtree. Interested in your list of items. I'd like to know the present condition. Thanks. Now, I think I mentioned before, every Monday, I go into the ABC Radio Studio here on the Gold Coast in our little city of 600,000-ish people, uh, and we do a, a bit on scams. And it, it's nice because Monday mornings are normally quiet for me because the Americans are still asleep. <laughs> you know, like it's, Saturday, it's Sunday evening over there, uh, and I wake up, there's not too many emails, and I can go and see real humans and talk to people on the radio that are real, normal, everyday people. Uh and we talk about scams and we keep having people call in with stuff like this. So it's always interesting to see it firsthand and to put yourself in the shoes of someone who is at the receiving end of one of these scams. Now, clearly, Lena was not going to be interested in the condition of the fridge. She, let, let's say she, because it, in fact, we found out later, apparently Lena Meyer is like some Swedish singer or something like that. But we'll, we'll say it's a she for the sake of argument now. So clearly, she's not interested in the condition of the fridge. But I'll go back anyway, and I tell her it's as new, but is used. Lena doesn't care because she doesn't want the fridge. She says, thanks, just wanted to make sure. I'm very interested in purchasing, and due to the nature of my job, I will not be able to come for inspection. I have a pickup agent that will come for the pickup after payment has been made. Now, this 
comes up time and time and time and time again in scams. I cannot be there in person. However, I have someone else who can be. We have discussed this on the radio so many times. We've seen it in the news so many times. It often happens when people are buying cars and things like this. And you're probably sitting there, if you don't know the angle to this already, probably sitting there going, yeah, but how do they get the money? How do they get the scam? Because they're meant to pay the money. Hmm, bear with me. So it continues. She says, regarding the payment, I'll be paying through PayPal. Or you can alternatively send your BSB and account number. BSB is like a routing number here in Australia. BSB and account number if you have no PayPal account. Now, what do we give her? Clearly, I'm not going to give her anything real. On reflection, I could have given her a made-up BSB and account number. But instead, I went back and said, PayPal is fine, just so long as you can make payment quickly. I need to make room in my garage by the weekend. Urgency helps. Scammers on urgency. Because urgency is the sort of thing that causes people to do stupid things. This is like social engineering 101. Urgency is great. So Lena continues. Sure, let me have your PayPal email so I can send the payment. No worries, it's this one you'll send. And this is now my response back to Lena. I said, no worries, it's this one you're sending to. Let me know when it goes through knowing that there's no way she's going to try and send money to a PayPal account. So the fact that this is a burner account that doesn't have a PayPal account doesn't matter. Lena says, okay, we'll send the payment shortly and let you know. Follows up very shortly afterwards. Hi, I've sent the money. PayPal should have sent you notification and instructions because you need to follow some steps to make the money available in your account. Check PayPal email for confirmation mail and let me know if you understand. And now you sort of go, oh, it's, it's not quite right, is it? And then she continues, I added an extra 800 to the payment. And that's meant for the pickup fee. In total, I sent 3,300. We had the fridge listed for two and a half. Incidentally, the reason it's a two and a half thousand dollar fridge, it is a wine fridge that we bought only a few years ago. Uh, now, someone pointed out, they said, you know, that fridge is $9,000. I was like, what? We definitely didn't pay nine grand for it. We paid, it was like six something. Paid a lot of money for it because it's a good wine fridge. It just doesn't work with the new garage. Uh, and it looks like it's actually held a lot of its value. I'll get back to what we eventually sold it for because it is being picked up in 23 minutes and we have the cash <laughs> in our hand already. In total, I sent 3,300 and it's already been deducted from my account. And again, like put yourself in the shoes of, of your normies, right? Your normal everyday people that are receiving this sort of messaging. So I replied. I said, great. Thanks, Lena. When would you like to pick the fridge up? She says, let me know when it's convenient for you. Now, mind you, again, that she's never coming up. No one's coming to pick the fridge up. That's the ruse that thing she's interested in is getting the money. How is she going to get the money? So she says, did you receive the confirmation mail from PayPal yet? Now, I did receive the confirmation mail from PayPal. PayPal, air quoting for the listeners later on. It went into the spam folder <laughs> of my burner Gmail account. The sender's name, not email address, name, is service at paypal.com. Subject, notification of instant payment received from Lena Meyer. And then it goes down and it's, it's, it, it is just a fraudulent PayPal email. It's not from PayPal, it's fraudulent. And what I like about it is this big Google Gmail message across it. Be careful with this message. Many people make similar messages, phishing scams, so this might contain unsafe content. Now, it's kind of curious. I think I screen kept that one on the iPad, but the one on the PC was like big red one as well. I put it later down the thread. So I think one of the things that's interesting here is that uh, your normies again, if they are using Gmail with the Gmail client, the browser, and I, sh is there a Gmail client? It's probably like a Gmail first class mail client like there is Outlook. I don't know. I'm a 0365 person. This makes it really, really obvious that it is a scam. Now, of course, that is up to the mail client and the mail provider. It might be that your corporate address, for example, or I don't know, your local tenant. Who are you? Oh, well, we're the service help team. And this one's a really poorly formatted email, which basically boils down to 
ask the seller for their bank details because you need to send $800 to them for the agent. Actually, I think the way they phrase it, this is the ruse. The, did I say the seller? I'm the seller. What am I talking about? The buyer, Lena, has sent me the amount for the fridge, two and a half, the amount for the agent to pick up, 800, and it is now my responsibility to give the agent the 800 in order to perform the pickup. Incidentally, 800 bucks is a lot to pick up a fridge. But as we learned later on, they have to ship this to Nigeria, so maybe it's not so bad. $800. Send the sum of $800 AUD via bank cash deposit to the details above. So, I need to get account details because how else am I going to send the money? And they're going to need to be legitimate account details because that's the only way the money goes through. So I said, yes, I got the message. I just need your bank account details now. And I had to follow her up again saying, come on. I was like, where are the bank account details? So she comes back and she says, the bank is Ubank. Now, Ubank is a direct bank here in Australia, so they don't have physical presence. Uh, I believe that they're run by NAB, National Australia Bank, uh, one of our big four, one of our biggest banks in the country. The bank name is Ubank. The name let me just try and pronounce it. I haven't tried to, this will be the first time I've ever tried to pronounce this name. I will just say it has literally every vowel in the first name. Oluwatim Ilehin, last name Akanad. Akanad? Akinid. We don't have a lot of names like that here in Australia. It is an unfamiliar name, but. There is then a BSB, which is the right BSB for you, bank. Again, there's like a routing number. And there is an account number. Now, I know these are going to be legitimate because they literally want to receive $800 there. So, of course, I tweet that and get straight onto Ubank and go, look, you probably want, to, um, probably want to have a look at this account. And then I go downstairs to Charlotte and I said, look, I need, I need your help. Can you go into your banking app and send 10 cents? to me, to my BSB and my account number, just 10 cents, 10 cents, and screen grab the payment receipt. Send me the payment receipt. I grab that and I go straight into Photoshop here <laughs> and I change the reference number because I don't know, I don't want to have a valid reference number in there. I change the amount from 10 cents to $800. I change the two person to Ula Watamilian Akinade and I change the BSB and the account number and I send it to Lena. I say, well, that's it. The payment has been made. But I change the BSB to the one she gave me and I change the account number to almost the one she gave me and I just mixed up two numbers, just two numbers in there. And I said, thank you, the money has been sent. Now, I imagine Lena would have been quite excited at this point because she's got this receipt, says $800, it looks almost perfect. And then we get to this interesting juncture, which is, is there just Lena or is there someone else? So one of the things that happens a lot in order to make these scams work is they do get run from other parts of the world. And as I've mentioned later on, or earlier on, we did later learn this from Nigeria. We'll explain why in a moment. Uh, they run from other parts of the world, but obviously if you're going to receive money into a bank account, you do really need an Australian bank account. I mean, can you imagine if someone's like, I'd like to buy your fridge. Here's my Nigerian bank account. Please put $800 in there. <laughs> it's like, well, that looks sus. So they need Aussie bank accounts. So we end up with what's referred to as money mules. We end up with people whose job it is to receive money and then send it on, and then they get a cut or a flat rate or whatever deal it is that they come up with. They're not necessarily intentionally criminal by nature as well. There'll be the ad in the paper, make money working from home. All you need to do is some paperwork and some financial things for us. Do you have an Australian bank account? Yes, okay, well, you're, you're a valid candidate. So this person could well be a money mule. So they could be someone who has inadvertently been caught up in this and is not necessarily the one trying to scam us. Or it could be the same person. I wanted to find out. I wanted to know, where is Lena? <laughs> so I replied. I said, you know, I've made the payment. I said, that's great. Thanks, Lena. Now paid. Here's the receipt. Bitly link. 
Bitly Link redirects through Grabify. And if you've not seen Grabify before, it's full of ads, but if you can get past that, it will grab the IP address and any other elements in the request objects as a user agent, for example, and it will dump it into a log. So you can send someone a unique link. They click on the link, they go through Grabify, you grab this information, store it. And the, the working assumption that I had is I don't think Leonard's going to be smart enough to be like VPNing into a location close to me here in order to make it look legit because most people aren't going to go to that level that I'm going to to try and figure this out. So, of course, Lena clicked the link. As soon as she clicked the link, I got the data. I got an IP address from Nigeria. I Ibadan, I assume it's a city in Nigeria. It's not been in Nigeria. Browser. Chrome Mobile, iOS, Operating System, iOS 16.3, out of date, Lena. Two, two minor versions out of date. And the ISP. So now I know that Lena is in Nigeria, and I know she's using an iPhone that's slightly out of date, which is interesting. It's good. It's, it's given us more information. We knew it was a scam. We just wanted a bit more information because then I was like, okay, well, how am I going to use this information now? Because at some point in time, you want to pull the rug out from under their feet. But let's just see how much further we can go here. <laughs> Leonard's just funny reading this in there. Leonard replies, she says, you made a mistake in the account number you sent money to. I sent this information, she repeats the BSBN account number. Check the receipt with you. The account number is not correct. Please make changes. I replied, that's the number I sent it to. The money definitely went out of my account, so it must be correct. <laughs> and I just, wouldn't you love to have seen Lena's expression? It would have been infuriating. This idiot Aussie, why can't they get the details right? I go to bed. Overnight, Lena sends one, two, three, four, five more emails. Email one. No, it is not the number. The number you sent it to is not correct. Just after that, another email. Check the receipt with you and see for yourself. Just after that, another email. The correction has to be made before I can forward the receipt to PayPal for verification. Just after that, another email. Ask your bank for a refund if you're deducted. You clearly sent the money to a wrong account. You have the receipt with you. Check the account number on it and see the one I sent you. Kindly makes this correction ASAP. Just after that, one more. She sends me, this is gold, she sends me a screen cap of the U-Bank bank account. <laughs> and it has 52 cents in it. She says, the pickup agent did not receive any money. This is the screenshot of the account. Which, of course, doesn't make any sense because all you're doing is you're sending like a, a, a static point-in-time screenshot of an account with 52 cents in it. So how do I know that the money hypothetically didn't go to the pickup agent, the $800, and then they just spent it, and then they screen capped their account afterwards. I was suspicious. I said, are you sure the agent didn't spend it and then send you that image? Ask them to show you the last couple of transactions so we can see the date and time. I definitely made payment just after 5 p.m. yesterday because I was really hoping to get a screen cap showing other transactions into that account. <laughs> now, while I'm waiting for a reply on this, I've also looped in Gumtree. So looking at Gumtree, here's the account. Now, I'd screen cap. This is where I'm going to start to talk about, frankly, what a useless job Gumtree is doing. I screen capped the account. It says Lena. She's a gummy, which is a Gumtree seller. I've since learned a gummy since 2023. Not a long history. There is a nice photo of Lena in a nice black dress holding the phone, taking a selfie. I did do a reverse image search on that. Um, I did not get any results. So I assume it's been ripped off from somewhere, but I didn't get a hit on it. So <laughs> this is after I've asked for a screen cap of the agent's bank account with the other transactions. She says, no, the agent gave no reason to lie to me. Now, keeping in mind that the, the agent, the person with the name I have trouble pronouncing, and Lena, may be the same people, or it may be that the agent is a money mule, a bit unsuspecting. The agent gave no reason to lie to me. You can clearly see on the receipt you sent that you made a mistake on the account number. I'm sure if you ask for a refund from your bank, it will be refunded because on that receipt you sent is definitely a wrong account number. 
she really, really wants the fridge. I responded. I said, okay, let me ask the bank after they open. It's still early here. Now, I, I feel like I'm starting to, to reach the end of the usefulness of this conversation. As Lena comes back, she says, okay, let me know. I'm reaching the end of the usefulness of this conversation. Like, I'm not going to get anything more out of it. I tried to get more bank account details or more, more screen caps for transactions. Uh, obviously, that wasn't going to come through. I end up going, all right, how do, how do I wind it up the right way? Now, what's the right way to wind this up? There's got to be pain <laughs> on Lena's behalf. She's got to feel done, got to feel a bit stupid, got to hopefully think next time they go through this process, is this another Charlotte Hunt <laughs> that they're talking to? That's one. She's got to feel the pain. Number two, everyone else has got to get amusement value out of this. It's very, very important when dealing with things. Like we, we need to get our pound of flesh from this person who has taken so much from so many. So I did some quick Googling because I had to check some things. And I went back to her and I said, okay, I spoke with the bank. They're asking if you have a type I to type D or G adapter. Does that make sense? Now, when I shared this, I said, does, let's see if anyone gets the reference. I don't know if anyone here gets it. You probably know by now if you've read the thread. But they're different plug types. So in Australia, we have the type I plug. Uh, and that's got uh, two angled pins like this and one straight pin like that goes in there, same as New Zealand. In Nigeria, they have the three round pins or they have the same one as what you've got in the UK, which is like the two flat bits and the long one like that. So I've said to her, do you have the adapter for the different types? Does that request from the bank make sense? And she says, no, it doesn't make sense at all. I hate that we have to go through this delay because of such a mistake from you. She's getting all right now. There's nothing really to do here than have the money sent to the right account. Really wants the money. So this is the final wind-up. Now, just before I give the final wind-up, I'm just going to see the comments here. I'm going to see a lot of chatter, making sure i not, not missed anything actually useful, Scott and Stefan. Uh, mm -hmm. Ben's got something useful. Who's, who's liking pay ID? Still not perfect, but a step forward. Useful parallel. All right, so here's a reply. Final one to Lena. <laughs> I said, I worked it out. It makes sense now. You see, the fridge has an Australian plug, type I, and if you want to use it in Nigeria, you'll need a type D or G plug, hence the need for an adapter. They're totally different formats where ours looks like a weird sad face and yours is either an upside down shocked face, that's the type D, or a partially complete game of Tetris, the type G. You can't just jam the Aussie pins into the Nigerian socket as you risk damaging the fridge. I'm not sure if your state of Osun, which is one of the things that came up in the Grabify data, uses type D or G, but please, it's a good fridge, look after it. Also, please update your iPhone. You're stuck on iOS 16.3 and 16.5 has been out for a while now. Go to General Software Update and you should see the new version. Your ISP, Celtel Nigeria, can help you if you need tech support. Tell them your IP address is 105.113.16.132. This will give you stuff like the Pride Celebration wallpaper and a bunch of security fixes, some of which may also help protect you from scammers. I thought I'd chuck the Pride Celebration wallpaper in there, which dropped in 16.5, just because of the way the laws in Nigeria are perhaps not as progressive as they are for us in most of the rest of the world. And that might just, just a little bit. I didn't get any more emails from Lena after that. And I did check just now as well. This was two days ago. <laughs> I sent this. Now, what I did get before I sent that, but it was just going to break the narrative of the Twitter thread, I actually had her send me two more bank account details. Now, these ones I did abstract because they sound much less likely to be a Nigerian scammer than a money mule here who's a little bit unsuspecting. Now, one of them was another BSB from Ubank. The person's name was Ashley Casebolt. Now, keeping in mind all of the KYC requirements for banks here as well, and things like everywhere in the world have gotten a lot tighter in recent years, I would put a very, very high likelihood that the BSB, the account number, and the person's name are legitimate. 
Ashley Case Bolt with her uh, her could be his US USB BSB from Eubank. And there was another one here as well from the Commonwealth Bank, one of our big four, John White. Now I redacted those account numbers and I sent those images off to both Eubank and Combank and they will be looking into them. That's certainly the commitment they've given me. Now to, to, to start to sort of wind it all up, I guess where all this has ended is um, I haven't heard from the scammer again. I did find a Facebook profile with the name with all the vowels in it, the first, the first agent. And they live here on the Gold Coast, according to the Facebook profile. And they went to the same university as me here on the Gold Coast. Uh, it is someone uh, that sounds to me like a very Nigerian name, not having been to Nigeria. Uh, and it certainly looks like someone who may have come from Nigeria as well. Now, I realize we're making a lot of correlating points here and making some assumptions. But it's kind of what we tend to do when we're dealing with these scams. It's like, okay, what's, what, what is the Occam's razor of this? And that the feeling I started to get is that this this feels like the money mule because when I went back to their profile less than 12 hours after I'd burned them, the Facebook profile was no longer visible. It had gone. And then when I searched for the person's name on Facebook, which is how I found them in the first place, I got no results. So I tweeted that and went, look, if anyone wants to do a little bit of OSINT and wants to try and figure out who this person is, then uh, then let me know. And then I linked to the Facebook address because I'd actually emailed it to myself the night before thinking when I get up tomorrow, I must follow this up. Uh, and then it looks like it had come back online, which is quite quite interesting. So apparently someone did actually message the guy. Uh, it th this, this does not look... Let me rephrase that. This does not look like the image of who you would ma imagine Lena, some Scandinavian female singer, is. It is basically the opposite in every possible way. So someone messaged him and went, hey, Lena, how are you doing? Uh, I said, please let me know if you get a response. Uh, I had intended to try reaching out to this person before the profile started doing weird things. And, and then my sort of suspicion of the likelihood of them being the person responsible for this was it's like, no, nah, I think we'll just leave that one where it is. So anyway, that was my <laughs> my week. When was that? Was that my Tuesday? A lot of time went. I, I look, I had stuff to do this week, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. And it went on that. Um, th this will be a great discussion for my ABC piece on Monday. <laughs> We're going to talk about this because it's just a fascinating firsthand experience. All of this to, to most of us here who live in this, this infosec cyber techie world has got red flags all over it. Uh, and I get that. At so many points here, it just smelled bad. But this works. It, it works enough times that, according to, to Scamwatch, which is one of the government bodies that <laughs> watches scams, apparently we got done for more than $3 billion last year in Australia by scammers. So it works over and over again. Um, and even on this radio program, the number of people calling or sending messages saying, I've been scammed with because of this or that. So it is fascinating to see how this works. Yeah, on the plus side, a real person who was genuinely interested in the fridge, got in touch with Charlotte, wanted to buy the fridge, and then we're like, oh, I'm so burned now. It's like, how do we how do we even do this? And the lady's like, can we send you a deposit, you know, to hold the fridge? Because you're really keen on it. And it, we gave a small discount, small negotiation, which you expect. And we're like, no, you, you don't have to send us anything, just... Like, just bring cash, bring money. Anyway, the lady came by yesterday. She was genuinely a local with a child. You always seem more legitimate when you have a child. And she gave us cold, hard cash. hope it's not fake. <laughs> we'll check that. Gave us cold, hard cash. And in about one minute from now, someone is actually coming to pick up the fridge. So it is a happy ending all around. The fridge got sold. Lena got her ass handed to her. The garage is getting all the new bits installed next week. It's, it's happy. I mean, other than my amplifier not working. It's happy days. Now, very last thing, and then I'll wrap it up and see what's going on with this fridge. Uh, I put in the list here. Have I been pwned domain search rewrite? I am doing a major rewrite on the domain search feature on Have I Been Pwned. It was something that came about very, very early on. It's a very in-demand feature. It's used extensively. It is one of the things that has become clunky for people using it, especially because there are more and more people monitoring many domains. It's become laborious 
uh, on the processing overhead because domains have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and then some people have multiple of them and they run them all at the same time. And th there's just lots of things that people say, how do I see a list of the domains I'm currently monitoring? So, uh, well, they're just the ones that you signed up for. You know, Can't you remember what you did nine years ago? <laughs> so all of that's getting a rewrite. Uh, there's going to be a new dashboard going out. Um, I'm really, I've, I've literally got behind my OBS and YouTube stuff here, walls of screens and code all laid out in the manner that makes the most sense to me. Uh, so I've just about finished sort of the first round of implementation. And then I'm, I'm sure as many of you do, you go through and you start testing every little bit over and over and over again, push it out to a staging environment, test it, test it, test it. I'm hoping to get all of this out next week uh, is, is the conclusion there. And then I'll be able to write a blog post about what I've done and why I've done it. And then some of the other things that will be coming too. So I'm very, very excited to get that out because I know that people have become so dependent on this. Uh, and it's been a useful feature, but it's been a, a feature that's been static for yeah nine years, I guess. Okay, folks, I think that's all. We've gone for more than an hour now. That's, uh, I really hope you enjoyed this game a bit. That was fun. It, it, it burned so much time, but it was so fulfilling, and I'm just so happy with the way it ended up. Uh, especially having sold my fridge. All right, everyone, I'm going to wrap it up there. Have an awesome weekend. See you next week.